This morning we continue our study in 1 John chapter 4. And I want to focus our attention this morning on just one verse that I briefly touched on last week. This is kind of a gold mine uh, here, John, 1 John 4. Wonderful truths that are here. And so I'm kind of taking my time going through this chapter. And today we want to look at what John says here in verse 18. We'll go back to verse 17 that we looked at and focused on last week. But our attention will be on verse 18. Verse 17 says, love has been perfected among us in this, this love that we have come to know from God that has manifested itself in our lives by love for the brethren and love for God. The fingerprints of God's grace is his love in his people. And this love reaches its goal in us in various ways. We know that we abide in him, as he previously said. And here, this love is manifested and it reaches its goal in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment. Because as he is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. Jesus is our righteousness. We read about that in Isaiah 64. We have been clothed with the righteousness of God, the righteousness of Christ. And therefore, as we think of the day of judgment, there is no fear. There is a boldness. There is a confidence that a believer has in light of that great and terrible day when God will come and judge his enemies and save his people. But in that day, for the believer, there is a boldness that we have. And he goes on in verse 18 and says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear because fear involves torment or punishment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. I want to just talk today about this truth that perfect love casts out fear. Wednesday, I was in my office and I got this call from my wife with a very frantic voice. It was a very brief message. Kevin, come home now. There's a snake in the house. And sure enough, she barricaded herself in the bedroom. She told me where it was at. It was trying to come. It was coming up the basement steps, had stuck its head under the kitchen door, trying to get into the kitchen. It's a five foot black snake. And uh, yes, so I was able to rescue my wife, do my husbandly duty and uh, got rid of the snake. It's back in the barn now somewhere. So beware of those that are mowing. Anyway, she is she is definitely afraid of snakes. But that is a good introduction to my sermon. Because we live in a world where we experience fears, don't we? A fallen world. And there are all kinds of things that can cause fear in the hearts of men and women. The world in which we're living, the culture in which we're living, the changes that we're seeing. There are personal fears that we can experience. 
But here we're reminded that perfect love casts out fear. It's a wonderful truth that is given to us in God's word. That the Bible calls the people of God to be a people who trust in him. And as they trust in him and as they come to know more of his love at work in them. That they not need not be a people who are given to fear, to dread. And so here's this wonderful promise that is given to us. And this is, as we looked at last week, this is, again, part of the ministry of the Spirit of God who resides in the people of God to make them to be a people who know peace. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. Now, as we think about fear, I want to first differentiate biblical fears, because fear is used in the Bible in different ways. There is a reverential fear that we find in the Bible, a reverential fear of God. Now, this is a good kind of fear. It is a fear that is a reverential awe for who God is. It is to esteem God above all other beings. Or things. It is to esteem him. To reverence him. And it's not just a fear of his power. Or his righteousness. Or his retribution. There's a, there's a sense in the Bible. That this fear is, it should cause a sense of dread. In, in one sense. You remember Isaiah. In Isaiah 6. His, he has this vision of the Lord. He sees the Lord high and lifted up. And, and he's full of fear. He's a sinner. But this fear here is a reverential awe for him. But it is not just a dread of him, but it's to trust in him. To be able to know that I, because of Christ, can be accepted before him and I need not fear. But there is esteem for him. Proverbs 9.10 says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. I love this definition by Charles Bridges. The fear of the Lord is that affectionate reverence by which the child of God bends himself humbly and carefully to his father's law. His wrath is so bitter and his love so sweet that hence springs an earnest desire to please him. And because of the danger of coming short from his own weakness and temptations, a holy watchfulness and fear that he might not sin against him. This extends into every exercise of the mind, every object of life. That above everything else, there is this reverential awe, esteem for who God is. And as I fear God, then I live in light of who he is. And I live with a reverential awe and fear of him. There is secondly a respectful fear for human authority. Romans 13 talks about be subject to those whom God has ordained as leaders over you to pray for them. And Romans 13 says, render therefore to all their due taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs are due and fear to whom fear is due, honor to whom honor is due. So there is to be a respect for those that have authority over us. There is to be a respect and an honor, a reverencing, if you will, of those who, who are the police on our roads, who are there to protect us. We are to fear them. We're to esteem them. 
And then thirdly, I think there's what we might call a natural or an instinctive fear that is a part of the way that God created us. There's a fear of danger and and we want to be we protect ourselves. If we're on a high mountain, we're very careful about not walking too close to the edge. So there's this kind of a fear that we have, and that's a protective kind of fear. We might say even a kind of a good fear. There is a fear that we have of maybe duties that God has given to us. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, 3, as he thinks about the ministry that God has given to him, he said, I determined to know nothing among you except Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and with great fear and trembling. He recognized the weight and the responsibility he had in preaching Christ. And there was a sense of, of natural fear. This is an awesome task that is given to me. And he takes it seriously. But the kind of fear that we are speaking about today is this fourth one. And it is, it is what, what I've called a terrorizing and an enslaving fear. It's a dominating, slavish fear. And it strikes dread and terror and it dominates one's life and it controls us. It enslaves us. And we can know those kinds of fears. Hebrews 2 talks about Jesus and it says, Inasmuch as we children partake of flesh and blood, our Lord Jesus Christ partook of the same. He partook of the same that he might destroy him who had the power of death and that who through fear of death were kept in bondage their whole life long. The apostle says there is this fear of death and it can be a captivating thing. It can be a controlling thing and we're kept in bondage by it. But Jesus has come. To give us salvation. He has come to remove that fear. And so there's this kind of terrorizing, enslaving fear. And it's not just with death. It can be many other things. But John here gives us what I've called John's spiritual axiom or a proverb or a truism. And it is this in verse 18 that love and fear cannot coexist. Love and fear, this kind of fear, cannot coexist. John speaks about a perfected love that has no fear that is associated with it. Verse 18, there is no fear in love. This love that John has been speaking about in 1 John 4, this love that has come to us through Christ, that is applied to us by the Spirit, that has Manifested the love of God in his people. They now are displaying this kind of love and they're loving the brethren. They're loving God. They now have this love, as verse 18 says, that has been brought about by the grace of God. We love him because he has loved us. He saved us. He's caused us to be born again by his spirit. And as we come to know more of the love of God and this love is at work in us. John says that this love cannot have fear associated with it. This love cannot coexist with fear. It's kind of like oil and water. The the two don't mix. They don't go together. 
They're incompatible. And there is no room for fear when this love is present, when it is when it is something that is part of our life. This fear must be cast out, as he'll go on to say. And so God's saving grace and this love is not compatible with a terrorizing, enslaving fear. Real quick, turn, if you will, to Second Timothy, just back a few pages. Second Timothy 1, 17. Or excuse me, verse 7. Second Timothy 1, 7. Pause. He's writing to young Timothy. And he's writing to him about the ministry that he has. Paul's about to pass off the scene. He's encouraging in his work to stir up, he says in verse six, stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. So I'm going to be passing on, but you need to stir up this gift that has been communicated to you and given to you by God through the laying on of my hands. And then he says this to Timothy in verse seven. For God has not given us a spirit of fear. We can imagine it would be a fearful thing to see Paul pass from the scene. Young Timothy left to himself. But he reminds him God has not given us a spirit of fear. A spirit of dread, of terror. He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love And of a sound mind. An enslaving fear, a terrorizing fear, is is not from God. It's not compatible with the gospel of grace. God, rather, has given us a spirit of love and of power and of a sound mind. And this love is implanted by God's grace in the hearts of his people. As this love grows within them, it cannot coexist with slavish fear and unbelief. John Stott says this, we can love and reverence or fear God simultaneously, but we cannot approach him in love and hide from him in fear at the same time. Indeed, it is by love for God that a false cringing fear of God is overcome. And that leads to the next point that a perfect, a perfected love is always casting out fear. Notice what Paul goes on to say. He said, excuse me, John, there is no fear in love, but perfect love cast out fear. This is a present tense verb. And this perfected love, as it is growing in us, That it is at the same time casting out fear that might be in us. It's the same word that's used of a demon when Jesus cast out a demon. This is what Paul says, that perfected love, mature love in us is going to be casting out of us fear. Just as Jesus cast out the the demon, this fear will be cast out in the heart of the believer as they grow and as they mature in this love. An illustration I used last week as children come to know a parent's unconditional love. That their mom, that their dad loves them, loves them unconditionally, is for them. It casts out fear in their hearts. 
as a husband loves his wife unconditionally, loves his wife, even as Christ loved the church, she will not fear her husband. She will love him. She will entrust herself to him. And there will be no fear of her husband. She is going to know that he's her protector and will care for her. And so this love, as it is perfected, as it matures in the life of the believer, it is going to be casting out fear, whatever fear it is that might come along in the life of the believer. And this will be something that will be ongoing. This fear, this fear stands in opposition to trusting God. If we're fearing, we're not trusting God. We're not believing in his promises. We're not resting in who he is for us. If there is fear in us, it discounts God and the reverence that is due to him and his character. If there is fear in us, it esteems someone or something else more than it esteems God. There is something that in our mind is greater than God. And we are fearing that rather than a right reverential fear for God. And so as we mature in this love, it is going to be casting out fear. A mature love will have no place, no room for fear in light of the gospel, in light of God's character, in light of God's promises that he's given to us. I have reason to trust this God. And as I get to know him better and as I learn to trust him, love is going to be cast out. And so ever-growing faith and love for God and others will be casting out fear. And so this will be kind, kind of be a, a sign of maturity. That rather being dominated by fear, my life is dominated by trust in God, hope in God, love for God and who he is versus being terrorized and enslaved by fear. And this is... This is a wonderful thing that John gives to us here. He goes on to say, because fear involves torment and it involves punishment. It's not a good thing. The gospel is about how God gives us his love and we're forgiven. And punishment is associated with judgment and the judgment that is to come. But John says that there is this love that we have. And we do not fear the day of judgment that is to come. That's what the context has been talking about. I don't fear the day of judgment. That doesn't dominate my heart because the love of God has changed my heart. And there is boldness and confidence in light of that day. But I think we can broaden this here. That if it's true that on the day of judgment, I do not need to fear and I can be bold and I have confidence then anything else in my life, I need not fear. If I don't need to fear on that day, I don't need to fear anything in this day in which I live. And what a wonderful encouragement. John's spiritual axiom here encompasses all enslaving fears, whatever they might be. This greatest one, the day of judgment, has been dealt with by Christ, and I need not fear. The sting of death has been removed. I don't need to fear death. And therefore, any other fear, I need not fear, for God is with me. Over 300 times in the Bible, 
we find phrases like this. Do not be afraid. Do not fear. Over and over and over again. God wants his people to know the peace of God that surpasses all comprehension, no matter what they may face. We're well aware, aren't we? We face some hard things. We face some very difficult things. But we're able to have peace. We're able to have confidence in the face of those things and drive out the fear that might dominate our hearts. Let me read some of those to you that we have in the scriptures. Joshua 1.9. I was a substitute teacher along with Kara for the children today. And they're learning about Joshua, the new leader. And as God calls Joshua to the task of taking the children of Israel into the promised land, he encourages his heart. This great leader has died and he encourages him. And he says this to Joshua, have I not commanded you be strong and of good courage? Do not be afraid nor be dismayed for the Lord. Your God is with you wherever you go. Psalm 46, God is our refuge and strength is a very present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though mountains tremble at its swelling, we will not be afraid. Seen a lot of changes in our world, aren't we? God is our refuge. God is our strength. We need not fear. Psalm 27, 1, the Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Now that's expecting an answer negative. No one. No one. Psalm 56, verses 10 and 11. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. And I am not afraid. What can man do to me? What can mere mortal men do to me? God is sovereign over my life. He has promised good to me. Men can do things to me, yes, but ultimately they cannot harm me. What can men do to me? I trust in God. One of my favorite verses, Psalm Isaiah 41.10. Years ago when I went to visit a lady who was having some major surgery, she was told when the pastor comes, he'll probably quote this verse to you, which I did. And she said, I thought about stapling that on my chest or having the note on my chest there. Uh, but here is here's the verse. Fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Yes, I will help you. I will uphold you. With my righteous right hand. Isaiah 26, 3 and 4. You will keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee. Because he trusteth in thee. Trust. He trusts in the Lord. And therefore. We will know peace. 
Does not Jesus give us the invitation, come to me, all who are weary, heavy laden, whatever it is, you come to me and I will give you rest. You need not fear, come to me. Martin Luther said that Christianity can be summed up in personal pronouns. He was commenting on Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He's the one that leads me. He's the one that cares for me. And even when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? For thou art with me. Personal pronouns. This God with whom we have to do is a personal God who is with us. I'll never leave you and I will never forsake you. And Romans 8, Paul makes the astounding statement that if God is for us, who can be against us? And in the gospel, in Christ, he is for us. No one can bring a charge against us. No one can condemn us. And there is nothing in all of heaven and earth that could ever separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Perfect love will be at work to cast out fear in the hearts of God's people. May he, by his grace, be at work in us to that end. And the way in which he does this is what Jesus said, that when the Spirit comes, and I'm going to send to you before he went back to heaven, when the Spirit comes, he will take the things of mine and he will show them unto you. The way in which this love grows and this knowledge of Christ grows in us is that the Spirit is taking the things of Christ, the things of the gospel, the things that Christ has done for us, showing them unto us. And as that takes place, as Christ becomes big to us, fear is cast out from us. Spurgeon said, my joy has been put out of the reach of my enemies. My joy, my peace, it has been put out of the reach of all of my enemies. I belong to Christ and I am his. I want to close this morning with this question of the Heidelberg Catechism. I know many of you know it and I've quoted this often. What is your only comfort in life And in death. And the answer is this to the believer. That I with body and soul. Both in life and in death. And not my own. But belong to my faithful Savior Jesus Christ. Who with precious blood has fully satisfied all my sins. And redeemed me from all of the power of of the devil and so preserves me that without the will of the father in heaven, not a hair can fall from my head. Yea, that all things must work together for my salvation. Wherefore, 
by his Holy Spirit, he also assures me of eternal life and he makes me heartily willing and ready henceforth to live unto him. Brothers and sisters, our God's will for us as that we would not be a people dominated by fear, but that we would find our hope, our confidence, our trust in him and in him alone. He is our refuge. He is our strength. As we close this morning, I invite you to turn in your hymn book to number 275. A great hymn of trust and confidence in our God. Let's stand together as we sing, How Firm a Foundation. I hope tonight you're able to join for the joint service and the picnic at Pleasant Ridge. That begins at 5 o'clock, and we will not have a service here tonight. Shall we close in a word of prayer?